0: Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant, Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tiamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State Athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Brent Taylor, the executive editor of our Alabama sister site, RollBamaRoll.com. I'm not going to beat around the bush. This is game day, folks. So Brent and I get into all of the different angles for the national championship game coming to you tonight from South Florida. We talk about Ohio State's defense versus Alabama's exceptional offense, where the Buckeyes might have an advantage against the Crimson Tide, and much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brent Taylor from Roll Bama Roll. Brent, the first question that kind of comes to mind for me is this season has been so strange. If you could kind of package how this season for Alabama has gone – in a nutshell, because I would imagine most Ohio State fans have watched some Bama games throughout the year, and they might have caught up over the past ten days, but they don't really get a good sense for the ups and downs that they've been through this season. If you could just, in a small little elevator pitch nutshell, describe how this season has been for the Crimson Tide. What, how would you do that?
1: Okay, so I, I would start with the kind of kind of the end of last season. Uh, you know Alabama's offense was looking really really good even with the injury to Tua to tonga uh Mac Jones came in and was overall playing pretty well the offense was putting up a lot of points but Alabama lost two high profile games against rivals where they just gave up 46 to 48 points and you know there's a lot there's a lot of hand-wringing that comes with that especially you know we're, we're kind of used to Alabama over the years it's been built on Hey, we have the best defense, and the offense is normally just kind of good enough yeah. to keep keep the wins going. And when that entire philosophy shifts, there's fans get kind of get kind of agitated. So when we move into this season, uh, Alabama lost five out of six guys from the secondary, but they returned a good bit from the front seven. So, we, we, you know, we we're kind of leery, but also kind of hopeful, hey, maybe the front seven starts to step up now that they're getting a little more because in, you know, 2019, they were just all freshmen. So we're hoping 2020, OK, maybe we'll have a pass rush. Maybe we can actually stop those just running the ball over and over and over and over again. And there might be some secondary issues, but if the front seven's there, then that'll work. So we, we come into the first game against Missouri, and man, the they were just getting sacks. The linebackers are in the backfield every play, and obviously we overreacted. We we're like Alabama is back. This defense is back. And then we played Texas A and M, and Jalen Weidermeyer got like I don't know 500 yards or something. <laughs> And we're like, okay, that that's not great. That's not great. And then we play all Miss, and it is a fifty-point each score after score after score. There was there's a whole lot of talk about if neither team played defense, the offenses only would have scored like a fourteen total more points if the defenses <laughs> just hadn't been on the field. Yeah. Uh, so then you know, uh, sky is falling. We we got an offense, but the defense has gotten even worse. And after that, uh, Saban came in and said, look, we're, we're going to pull back on our defense and we're going to stop playing the kind of more aggressive man pattern match coverages. And they kind of pulled back into these soft zone shells, a lot of cover two zones, and just, hey, let, let everyone keep throwing it short, keep throwing it short, and our, all of our guys can then just... Gang tackle, and so since then, throughout the season, we've kind of been, you know, we'll we'll give up some yards on little hitches and slants and uh, drags, those kind of things. But for the most part, the defense makes enough tackles, and uh, it turned it turned things around. Uh, And throughout, you know, throughout all of this, the Alabama offense has just been otherworldly good. So that's been a consistent fixture. So the defense has been the real story there. And against Florida in the uh, SEC championship, they gave up a lot of points, but it wasn't really the busts that we saw earlier in the season. It was a lot of Florida's two receivers, Kadarius Tony and tight end uh, Kyle Pitts, are just uncoverable. And, you, you know, you watch that and you're like, what's, yeah. what's the defensive back even going to do? So that, that's kind of how that's been.
0: Yeah. And what's been interesting about you know some of this stuff that I've watched and read since um, we knew that Ohio State would be playing Alabama is that between the 20s, Alabama, like you said, would give up some of the underneath stuff, would allow opponents to gain some yards. But they really clamp down inside. Uh, the red zone, and and that's where that tough nose defensive approach, even if it's not necessarily the same personnel talent level that we've seen in years past, but that traditional Nick Saban defense kind of really flexes its muscles once you really get into a close, you know, high-pressure scoring situation, uh, inside the red zone.
1: Right. Yeah, and and a lot of it starts with the fact that Alabama's two outside cornerbacks, uh, Pat Sertan and Josh Job. Have just been otherworldly good. So while you know, while teams are able to move the ball, especially passing against our linebackers, that's been an issue all year long. Uh, while that keeps but the ball moving, uh, our, our two outside corners have really—they're just not allowing the long just huge plays down the sidelines. Yeah.
0: Well, what's so interesting is me is I'm starting to look through, you know, all of the stats and all of the, the stuff between Ohio State and Alabama is we know that Alabama has been at the top of the pecking order for the entire college football season. Ohio State has been admittedly a rather bizarre up and down roller coaster throughout. But when you start stacking up, depending on what analytics you're looking at, the offenses are comparable. They're not necessarily the same. They have different strengths and and different things that their different personnel can do. But their offenses are pretty similar. On the defensive side of the ball, there is some things that I think you can account for the differences in the competition level, that Alabama has played uh, a significantly higher number of better offenses than Ohio State has, so you can kind of give them a pass on some of the analytics on defense, but the teams are, because of the blue-chip ratio and how many top players that they have, they're oddly similar between Uh, between each other so i wonder as you look at this game specifically if ohio state had to focus on one area where they could have success whether that's their offense against alabama's uh defense or vice versa what would be one point that you think the ohio state team would try to capitalize on
1: you have got to get trey sermon off tackle uh the, the alabama defensive line is for the most part pretty stout uh but there have been there have definitely been issues with taking down a running back running off tackle all season long uh so, and a lot of that is normally when it's kind of paired in with a quarterback not it doesn't even have to be an actual read option if the quarterback is even looking like he could be a fake then yeah. that, that's been an issue and whether you know it, it doesn't even have to be runs uh Passes to running backs, kind of the little wheel routes and swings, uh, the the linebackers have just really struggled with that all year long, and they they've made some strides throughout the season, but it's still there. Uh, and you, I know you said give you one, but the other, the other spot, no, give say me more, as many is, as you can
0: give me. I will take all <laughs> of them,
1: Brent. So so the other thing is tight ends down the seams have also been an issue, particularly with double moves. Uh, Now, that may or may not end up being an issue in this specific game, and that's because safety Daniel Wright uh, is one of those guys that plays really fast, really aggressive. He likes to undercut routes and try to go for big hits. Unfortunately, more often than not, that means him going for big hits actually means he's whiffing and flying off screen at like 100 miles an hour, (laughs) or he's trying to undercut a tight end across the middle, and then the tight end's actually running 20 yards past him down the field. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of consternation about him specifically with Alabama fans because his backup, DeMarco Hellums, has played really, really well every time he's been in the game. And why he's not been the starter, I I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah. But he finally was against Notre Dame and played great. Uh, that Nick Saban's not— given us any information on why or anything about it so i have no idea if that's going to be a thing going forward or if it was a one game kind of thing i I don't know so that that's one to watch for if you see number three playing safety uh watch out for those tight end double moves if you see number 29 playing safety then that might actually not be the area you want to go to
0: Yeah. what's interesting. Ohio State had a lot of success with their tight ends against Clemson and the Sugar Bowl, but it was not necessarily on plays like that double moves down the seam. It was more in close yardage uh, around the goal line, um, kind of using their size rather than their speed and athletic moves. They are definitely much more uh, blocking tight ends who have the ability to receive than vice versa. But it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what the Alabama defensive personnel dictates for that. But I'm interested about the very first one that you talked about with Trey, Trey Sermon off tackle with the threat of a quarterback run. Obviously, a lot will depend on Justin Fields' health coming off of the injury in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson. But then Alabama is obviously dealing with a undeniable game-changing playmaker potentially coming back after an injury Um, has there been an update or anything that we could because I'm sure Nick Saban isn't giving a whole lot of details on Jalen Waddle's availability but has there been any hints about whether or not he's going to play and if so how healthy he's going to be because it's only been a couple months since he literally broke his ankle which would be a An unbelievable comeback in a short amount of time for him.
1: (laughs) I will will say that every Alabama fan in the world is probably refreshing Twitter about every five minutes from now until Monday, hoping to see Waddle is going to play. Uh, So I know uh, he he did return to practice this week. Right. Now, the cup, you know, every reporter – Ever is asking Saban about that at every press conference and he's just giving the same kind of the same response. Hey, he's going to be day to day. We want to see basically how he responds. So he gets out there and he practices. Uh, does he get sore and have to take the next day off or does he get out there and practice and once you kind of get out on it and start moving, do you start feeling stronger and better and that that's kind of the thing. And I have no doubt Saban is not going to tell us a word more than that until <laughs> game time. And we see number 17 out there or not.
0: Yeah, and obviously pairing him with the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Devontae Smith, would be a huge bonus. Obviously, we don't know necessarily if he'd be close to 100%, but just having the threat uh, of Jalen Waddle on the outside, I'm sure, is something that has kept... Uh, Ohio State's defensive coordinator, Kerry Combs, uh, thinking for for very long hours over the past week and a half. So um, moving over to uh, the side of the ball when Ohio State uh, is on offense, we have seen, like you said, in, uh, in the game, in the SEC championship game against Florida, where a pair of talented receivers have been able to make some yardage and score and put up points against Alabama's defense. Ohio State's wide receivers of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are not necessarily the same body types as Pitts and Tony, but they are two fairly dynamic wide receivers. You've talked about the cornerbacks being pretty strong for Alabama's defense, but when you have to focus on two different wide receivers, are do you expect the corners to try to match up one-on-one? Will they do some sort of, of zone coverage? How do you expect the uh, the defense for the Crimson Tide to try to isolate these two wide receivers and, and keep them in check throughout the game?
1: So uh, Alabama is typically going to run uh, something similar to either a cover two or a cover four shell. Uh, Pat Sertan is going to play on the left side or, or the offense's right side and cover that sideline. Josh Job is going to cover the other sideline. Uh, and that's from there, those two guys, basically they lock down The sidelines uh there are some coverages or maybe they'll come across the middle or uh if teams go into trips formations they might have to travel across to the slot but for the most part that's where they're going to be and then on on the interior side of things uh malachi moore did not get to play against notre dame he had some sort of practice injury and we're we're not even sure if he's going to be playing and malachi moore is a freshman i think he got freshman all america but he, he's been very, very good this year and both, both his coverage and especially his tackling, And it was kind of unexpected. He just came out of nowhere and won the job. Uh, however, he's not, he's, he's not a pure speed guy. He, he got absolutely toasted by Kadarius Tony and it wasn't even like he made a bad coverage read or anything like that. He just straight up wasn't fast enough. Uh so that that's where I'd worry about uh, Garrett Wilson in the slot. Right. Maybe if you can get one of those little scissor routes, get Malachi Moore trying to chase him down the sidelines. Uh, that's exactly what Florida did a couple of times. Uh, however, if Moore is not playing, there's another true freshman, Brian Branch, that's typically more of the dime back. He's a little faster, not quite as good of a tackler as Moore. Uh, but he's got a lot of talent and he was the one a lot of people expected to come in and win a starting job as a freshman. Um, and he's been he's been one of those guys. He he was the one that matched up with Kyle Pitts all game long against oh, wow. Florida. And he he gave up a few catches, a few really big ones. But all of them were ones where he was in. I mean, he's a six foot guy against the six six Kyle Pitts and he's in great coverage. Only um, so much you can do. Yeah, it goes – and I mean every time his fingertips were inches from the ball and we we're just like, oh, man, this freshman, he was so close. So that those two guys you're going to see uh, kind of rotating around a lot in the interior of the defense, mixing in with the safeties and linebackers. Uh, so th- that's what Alabama's going to do. I don't expect them to really – try to double or double man bracket any any of your specific receivers they're going to run, they're gonna run their defense, and that's how it's gonna be.
0: Yeah. The the offense for Alabama all season has been prolific and I think fa- compares pretty favorable to the LSU offense of last year, which many people thought was the best offense in college football history. And I think this one from Alabama is is just up there. Mac Jones, though, despite his standing in the Heisman Trophy race and all of those things and all the awards that he's he's had this year and um, all of the stats that he's put up, I don't know that necessarily, at least the national consensus, and it might be wrong closer to home, but I don't know that anyone necessarily compares him to any of the great quarterbacks um, in the country. For whatever reason, people seem to kind of disregard some of his stats and kind of just say, well, he's got Najee Harris. He's he's got Devonte Smith, all that stuff. Where does he come down? Is he a, a talented game manager? Is he a different maker, difference maker at quarterback? Is he a, a system guy? Where do you how would you describe what Mac Jones has been able to do this year?
1: You know, that is that is the question. Uh, I know I mean, for the most part, Alabama fans thought coming into this year that freshman five-star number one recruit Bryce Young was going to come in and kind of unseat Mac Jones. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, Mac Jones was a three- to four-star kind of guy. He's 6'2", 210-ish, not not impressively big. He's definitely not a runner, uh, not a huge arm, just one of those kind of guys. And then... Uh you, you know, we've seen him in the past, uh, throw a couple of pick sixes against Auburn and that doomed the game. Despite a lot of, despite a lot of yards, he threw those bad interceptions. So a lot of us kind of thought, okay, Max, a guy that can, he definitely doesn't mind going deep. He doesn't mind pushing the ball down the field, but, uh, get him in a pressure situation. And maybe he starts to panic a bit. Well, we hit this year and man, he's just been surgical uh at the yeah. start of the year everyone was playing up close to the line of scrimmage like hey we have to stop Najee harris everyone knew stop Najee harris well when they did mac jones just started throwing bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb uh and after a while defenses were like this we can't do this so they started playing <laughs> a lot of too high even arkansas even tried three high safeties for the entire game uh and as soon as they did that, Mac Jones was very happy. I was like, okay, I'll just start checking the ball down, and he'll do it all game long. So what, one of my favorite things about him, as well as uh, Steve Sarkeesian calling the offensive plays, is they'll look at what a defense is doing and are happy to just be patient and just keep picking at what's working. Uh, so you, you don't see him getting frustrated with all the checkdowns, and then try to sling it deep just because he wants to go deep because that's what's worked in the past. So that that's what's been really cool about Mac. the, the other thing is uh, you blitz him, and he's going to make you pay. He he likes being blitzed, and he like he's said a bunch in press conferences, like, "Hey, I love making throws while a dude is just leveling me. That that's like his favorite <laughs> thing. He is." I don't know, maybe a psychopath, but (laughs) that that's what he likes. And I've actually seen, uh, he seems to get antsy if the line is blocking too well for him and he takes too long. So, you know, he stands, he looks, he looks, and then he kind of gets like, now what if everybody's covered and I'm not getting blitzed that that's when you start to see maybe a rush throw off his back foot or something like that.
0: Um, I want to kind of end on a couple theoretical and hypothetical questions here. I think going into this college football playoff, if you'd have told me that Ohio State was playing Alabama, I would have said, well, that's going to be a disaster. I didn't expect Ohio State uh, to beat Clemson, let alone play with a team that I thought was significantly better than anybody else in the country in Alabama. I will admit that I think Ohio State has a much better chance now than I did – two weeks ago but I still would think that everybody agrees that uh, Alabama is the prohibitive favorite here but in your mind as somebody who has watched uh, everything uh, from Alabama this season if this game was close in the fourth quarter what would that game look like do you think from in whatever world that is if it's a one score game let you know three point game or a tie game going into the last you know seven eight minutes What do you think the script of that game will look like?
1: Oh, you're giving me uh, some heart palpitations here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So I think so far this season, Alabama's really been in three games that pressured them. There's the Ole Miss game where Alabama's offense jumped out ahead, but Ole Miss just kept scoring. Uh, And it, it ended up becoming everyone in the world knew okay, Alabama's offense is going to score, but we know the defense is not getting a stop. So even though Alabama kept the lead throughout the whole game, there was a lot of pressure on them to keep scoring. And they did. Uh, So then against Georgia, the script was a little different. Uh, Georgia came out hot, made a few big plays, got ahead. Uh, And Alabama did have to figure out, like, okay, our defense has to step up now. And they made, made a couple of key interceptions, uh, let the offense get back in the game, and Alabama won big. The Florida game looked very similar to the Ole Miss game, uh, with just less sloppy defense and more just Florida was really good. So, uh, you know, so far this season, I'm, the, the trend that I'm seeing is Alabama is going to score and they're going to score early. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's going to continue. So if Ohio State looks at that and says, okay, we're not going to get deflated from getting scored on early, and they keep scoring, they hang within one or two scores, and just keep hanging in that close, uh, Alabama's offense has tended to take a step back in the first, third, you know, the first bit of the third quarter in just about every game they, for whatever reason, they've kind of struggled right out of halftime. So that would be the time for Ohio State to turn it on and take the lead. So if they take the lead going into the fourth, then that's when we see something that we have not seen how Alabama could handle this year. And that that's what kind of worries me. Uh, so, my yeah, I would say that if Alabama's got the lead going into the fourth quarter, I expect them to be able to kind of salt the game away if they don't then oh who knows can the Alabama defense get a critical stop in the fourth I'm not sure
0: yeah I I kind of expect it to be a high scoring game because I I think that both of these teams offenses are their strong suit and it very well could come down to who has the ball last? Um, if that's the case, I will. I think all Ohio State fans will take that uh, bet. Um, not sure that it'll be that way, but it'll be interesting uh, if it is. So I want to end on kind of a non-football question because Ohio State's coming off a game against Clemson where – um, honestly, every Ohio State fan pretty much hates everything Clemson-related, whether it's the their team, their coach, their fans, but it's been interesting. We've tweeted about it a lot, and we've talked about it um, in some articles and stuff, but it seems that Ohio State fans don't have anything uh, bad to say about Alabama. I think everybody respects Nick Saban. Everybody respects the success of the program. There's no bad blood. Obviously it helps that Ohio State, not to bring up any bad memories for you, but Ohio State beat uh, Alabama the last time they played, but I wonder if it's the same in reverse because i i imagine that um alabama probably hates clemson just as much as ohio state fans does but uh i, I wonder what the what the reciprocal feelings are for crimson tide fans towards the buckeyes
1: I, i'd say in general it's uh, it's pretty similar you're, you're right we we cannot stand Dabo sweeney uh <laughs> even though he's uh, one of
0: your own even though he's one of your own
1: yeah oh man so when he first kind of broke into the scene everyone was like oh Dabo, he's going to replace Saban. He's a he's a former Alabama walk on receiver. He's going to be the next Saban. Uh, man, four years later, and I don't <laughs> think there's an Alabama fan out there that could stand the guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm tired of Clemson. I want them to go away. Uh, but yeah, Ohio State's. You're, I don't know. You're just kind of the other that team up north that recruits just as well as we do, and. We don't really overlap circles very often, but yeah, yeah. For the most part, we respect Ohio State. Like, yeah, this is probably the second most talented team year in and year out. Uh, so the twenty fourteen game, I mean, that that was so long ago, and that was that was a season that Alabama fans didn't expect us to get as far as we did. Yeah, uh, we were starting Blake Sims, who was a running back that became a quarterback in that offseason. Yeah. Um, so no, nobody even expected that. And, you know, we got there, Zeke Elliott was just awesome. What, what are you going to do? Uh, so yeah, I, for the most part, we're, we're excited now. I, I will say we didn't care much for urban Meyer. Uh, but hey. once he kind of, once he kind of got out of there, his, uh, aura left, uh, we, <laughs> we pretty much all think, Hey, Ryan day is a good coach. Uh, he's taken what Urban Meyer did. He's recruiting better, and he stopped losing one bad game a year. Yeah, Ohio State's good. Yeah, you're you're talking to someone that wasn't a huge Urban Meyer fan
0: either. So uh, I, I definitely understand where that sentiment comes from. But um, yeah, so to wrap this all up, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. And, and as kind of is a tradition with all of these crossover podcasts, what is your thinking on how this game ends up on Monday night?
1: I – so – I like to think uh, when there is a consensus, everyone says this is going to be an offensive high scoring game yeah. is going to go back and forth.
0: It's going to be the what opposite. is the ex- yeah. Yeah. what
1: is the exact opposite of what makes sense? Uh, so I don't I haven't decided if I want to officially go with that this game I did for the Alabama Florida game. I was you know, everyone was saying this is going to be a 50 point each game. And I said, watch it end up going stupid, and it's like everybody gets 20 points. I was very wrong. So I'm hesitant to do it for this one. Uh, I'm going to say I think these defenses on both teams are talented enough and have heard enough about, oh, this other offense is so good. I think they're going to make some stops, more than a lot of people think. Uh, So let's go. I think Alabama jumps out to a 10-point lead uh and it, we end up going to halftime with a 17-14 score nobody scores in the third quarter oh and alabama ends up with 34 34-28 alabama with ohio state scoring kind of with about a minute left and going for the onside kick and not getting it
0: that is a very specific prediction. I was just going to I was just kind of assuming that you would go with the, the final score, but I love that you went in detail and gave me a quarter by quarter breakdown print. So, yeah, uh, I,
1: I like making it up and see see how close I end up. with. Yeah,
0: no, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to get in depth on uh, the Crimson Tide team this year. I think everybody is looking forward to hopefully a very entertaining and competitive game on Monday night, assuming knock on wood that the game actually gets played. It sounds like it, uh, everything is on schedule at this point, but in this season, who the hell knows? But uh, looking forward to the game and uh, looking forward to uh, going back and forth with you guys on Twitter on Monday night to see uh, how much fun we can have.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. Like, like I said earlier, I'm ecstatic to not be playing Clemson again. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I'm happy to... You know, this is going to be a game where it's the two top-talented teams. Uh, it won't be... As long as Alabama doesn't come out flat and just get blown to pieces or something, it won't be an embarrassing kind of loss to lose to Ohio State, uh, and that, that you know that's important to us. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a win win mostly. Yeah. I mean, I hate to lose, but yeah, of course, <laughs> if we lose a close one, you can you can still hang your hat on a little respect there.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to Brent Taylor from Roll Bama Roll. You can get all of their coverage of the national championship game at RollBamaRoll.com. And you can find Brent on Twitter at BTBama22. If you're finding this episode on Land Grant Holy Land, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hopefully, the next one you hear in this feed will be celebrating an Ohio State national championship. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at Land Grant 33. I will be mashing buttons on Twitter during the game tonight, so follow along. You can also find me personally at BWwmat. Matt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.